All right, y'all asked for it. Let's talk about this. Can minorities appropriate the cultures of other minorities? I'm Dara Star Tucker, and this is The Breakdown. Researching this topic led me to a very stark realization. This is not something that academics or thought leaders love discussing. It's a hard topic to cover. When you have very clear power dynamics in place, such as the relationship between black and white people in the United States, it's a much more straightforward conversation. There is a dominant culture and there's an historically marginalized culture. If the dominant culture exploits the culture of the marginalized group, that's the definition of cultural appropriation. But when we're discussing myriad cultures, histories, geographic locales, and migrations, the plot does tend to thicken. The central question is this, are there power dynamics at play between cultures where neither could be considered particularly dominant? And if not, does one culture appropriating the practices of the other culture constitute cultural appropriation? Well, let's look at the definition of cultural appropriation according to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Cultural appropriation takes place when members of a majority group adopt cultural elements of a minority group in an exploitative, disrespectful, or stereotypical way. It goes on to say that that exploitation can happen when a member of the majority group profits financially or socially from the culture of a minority group. Let's remember that power dynamics are not always reflected in population numbers. In South Africa, the racist system of apartheid was instated by whites who only made up 15 to 20 percent of the population. It's obviously foolhardy to try and assess the power dynamics between every cultural group on a case-by-case -case basis to determine who holds the power in any given scenario. But we have to acknowledge a very stark reality that exists in the U.S. and beyond. Though grouping people into racial categories based solely on skin color is biologically irrelevant and thus a completely made-up idea, the concept of race has nevertheless had an impact on how we experience and interact with each other. The phony racial hierarchy is still with us. Because of widespread European colonization, white supremacy has had a far-reaching impact. So all non-white people are not otherized in the same way. There's a strong history of colorism in many cultures, for instance. There are economic and sociological conditions that have led to vast inequities between countries that may not be that far removed from one another geographically. So in any environment where dominant and non-dominant cultures exist, cultural appropriation is possible. But let's zero in on the U.S. where a lot of the conversation around cultural appropriation takes place. The United States has often been called a cultural melting pot, or at the very least a salad bowl, where cultures mix and meld and influence each other constantly. It's the American way. Not that minority groups have had all that much say in all of this mixing and melding, which has left them holding the short end of the stick more often than not. But we can't pretend that the experience of all non-white people in the U.S. has been equal. It has not. Some groups got here on work visas. Others were brought here in chains. Some groups have been actively recruited for their contributions to the science or technical fields, while others have been decimated through land theft and genocide. Does this contribute to the power dynamic between minority groups? You bet it does. Skin color can also contribute to this power dynamic. A minority's perceived proximity to whiteness can impact how that group or individual is seen and treated in a society. The bottom line is there are power dynamics between minority groups in the U.S. And therefore, cultural appropriation between minorities is a very real thing, even when one group doesn't hold the majority in the population at large. But what happens when someone from a minority group with no clear power differential leans into the aesthetics, the dialect, or the essence of another minority group in a way that feels performative or even exploitative? It can't technically be called cultural appropriation because neither group holds power in that situation. And it would feel wrong to intentionally dilute the meaning of the term cultural appropriation since it specifically refers to dominant versus non-dominant culture dynamics. You just know that something doesn't feel right about seeing a person wear another person's culture like a costume, regardless of who holds power. 
Well, there is a term that may help to describe this phenomenon that doesn't create confusion where true cultural appropriation is concerned. That term is racial plagiarism. It was coined by Minha T. Pham of the Pratt Institute. This term was coined to provide a useful stopgap between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation. Racial plagiarism may better describe the strange mix of feelings that a black person may have at watching K-pop stars take on the affects of hip-hop culture, knowing that there's still a lot of anti-blackness in many Asian cultures, even though Asians themselves represent a minority in the U.S. And racial plagiarism may better explain how Asians might describe a superstar like Nicki Minaj evoking a mishmash of Asian aesthetics in her video for Chun-Li. Other examples of racial plagiarism would be K-pop's obsession with Indian culture, K-pop's obsession with Native American culture, and pretty much every culture's obsession with Black American hip-hop culture. Each of these scenarios comes with its own set of dynamics which can be debated in their own context. It's a complex issue, but it matters. And yes, there are still a lot of folks whose knee-jerk reaction to any discussion around cultural appropriation is to dismiss it wholesale. But more and more, people are beginning to understand the harm that cultural insensitivity can cause, even when there's no clear power dynamic involved. Be sure to follow the I'm All Over the Place podcast, where we'll have an in-depth discussion about this topic with a DEI expert on the next episode. I'll be doing two shows this fall, one in New York on September 11th at Dizzy's Jazz Club, and the second on October 15th in D.C. at Blues Alley. I would love to meet you. Go to the link in my bio or in the description of this video for tickets.